0: Hi there, this is Watching, and you are now listening to the I Choose the Ladder podcast, a podcast for black women on the corporate climb. In today's episode, you meet LaTanya Foster, who is currently the CEO and executive director for the Chicago Center for Arts and Technology. In her position, she oversees all the strategy and operations for one of Chicago's newest nonprofit organization. She's a product of the Chicago public school system and a proud alumna of Loyola University Chicago. Latanya loves that her work provides her the platform to drive change and to serve as an example of the significance that mentorship, community, and education has played in her life. If you had the opportunity to attend our launch event, you saw the space. It's beautiful, it's stunning. The programming that they do there really is changing um, the way that we look at arts and technology in the Chicagoland area. So I'm really excited that I got an opportunity to speak with her and hopefully you learn a little bit um, from her story. Thank you. I appreciate being part of the podcast. <laughs> okay. Um, so we'll start off talking about corporate America. So how did you get your first job in corporate?
1: My first job in corporate was offered to me um, through my aunt,
0: actually, and
1: an African American woman who's uh, um, also a very accomplished entrepreneur, um, really leaned in, so to speak, and gave me the first, my first real job. Um, working with her and under her leadership so that was kind of the um training ground
0: for me what were you doing do you remember what that job was yes
1: it was really basic it was more of a business administrative associate doing a mix of administrative tasks and accounting clerical tasks um and so she was um the chief operating officer of her company and so it it was really broad and gave me some insight into, you know, corporate world um, and entrepreneurship at the same time.
0: And at that time, did you think like, yep, this is going to be my future? Or was it just like, let me try this out, see, I need a little bit of money? um, Or were you like, no, I want to work in a professional setting?
1: It's really interesting. I've always known that I wanted to work in a professional setting, but I always wanted to work for myself.
0: Mm. um, And
1: I still have that. I still have that aspiration. So initially when I worked with her, it was more about the money um, and the opportunity to kind of get my feet wet. And I hoped that that would be my first and last job ever working (laughs) for someone. So I was super ambitious, right? I was like, okay, this is going to be my first job. And I remember working with her and reading business plans and writing business plans and giving them to her, like, read this don't you want to invest in my business? So it's really funny now. It's really funny now because I know she really believed in me, but I know someday she has to be exhausted because I never stopped talking about, you know, how I wanted to use that opportunity to, you know, bring board what I wanted to be as an entrepreneur. So it was totally about the money first and foremost and the experience second.
0: So Got it. Got it. And then, so after After that, you were in high school. What did you end up doing education-wise?
1: After that, education-wise, I mean, I graduated from um, Loyola University after um, um, transferring from a small private college, graduated from Loyola, um, became very interested in entrepreneurship still. That was really, like, my focus, and so after that, I took a job with the understanding that um, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And somehow I ended up in nonprofit and so started writing grants. And that was also an eye-opening experience to the world, to to the corporate world because most of the grants that I was writing and tasked with writing were corporate prospects. So it was really interesting. I kind of coined myself as the business side of social um, enterprise. And so that pretty much been kind of my coin uh, coin phrase for myself for a while now, like what the work that I do represents the business side of, you know, social impact or social enterprise. And so school-wise, I just continue to focus on professionally developing an areas that would give me the skill set related to entrepreneurship and seeking educational opportunities that put me in environments to meet other women. And by other women, um, I didn't I what I'm not thinking necessarily peers. I've always had um this interest in meeting women who um are older and could lend some wisdom and some, you know, lend some value through their experiences to my to my current experience at the time. So I was really um very intentional around that part of um my education, both formal and informal.
0: Got it. And I know something that comes up a lot is mentorship, right? You just talked about your interest in wanting to meet women who are older for the the guidance and the wisdom of their experience. How have you cultivated mentorship relationships? How do you find them? I know that's uh, a question that comes up a lot. Um, And then how have they helped you as you've kind of created this lane for yourself that is a hybrid between being corporate and entrepreneurship at the same time? (laughs) Okay, so mentorship
1: is one of my core values of, of my own personal and professional characteristics, um, and I know that now. I know it to be real, right? And so you know how you innately know certain things about yourself. I'm very committed to mentorship. I'm committed to being mentored, and I'm committed to mentoring. Um, and I think that came from my early introduction through my through my aunt who, A, didn't treat me like family, so she was very, like, straight, no chaser. Like, this is a <laughs> job, and, and, and if this is what you say you want, this is what you have to do to get it. Um, but even bigger than that, throughout my my education, um, I grew up in an environment where mentorship was important in an underserved um, community of the west side of Chicago, and so for so long, um, I knew that that was is like a primary factor in me getting out, and by getting out, I mean get moving up and advancing. So um, I've been very deliberate about doing the same thing in my career. Now I make relationships based on what I can, how I can help someone. Um, it's very cliche. Um, it's a very cliche world right now with a lot of good intent. You know, the whole empowerment thing, but it's nothing if we're not putting action behind it. And I've been fortunate to put action and back behind, you know, offering what I know and connecting resources. And that's sometimes all you have to do for mentorship. I think when people hear it, they think, oh, my God, it's this lifelong commitment to helping someone else, climb the corporate ladder, et cetera, et cetera. It isn't. It's networking. It's resource matching. It's making yourself availability to kind of help. Um, navigate those difficult times or transitions in careers, and that goes a long way. So um, I'm extremely committed, and it's definitely one of my core values of my professional and personal um, personality right
0: now. Um, So you don't have to say the name, but can you think of, like, one of your mentors and tell me, like, how you found them or how they became your mentor? One of my
1: mentors, um, fortunately, one of my mentors was my boss. And I found her through someone I considered to be like a big sister that I'd worked with. And um, she was also um, a sorority sister. So it was that, con- I mean, i never, I hadn't known her outside of working with her and then the, the sorority. And So there was a little bit of, you know, familiarity there. She introduced me to someone who hired me, who then straight up told me like, yo, this lane that you're in right now, you're already advanced, right? You're already beyond it, so you're not staying here long. Mm. And so I was frightened by that because um, I didn't understand it. I'm like, what do you mean? You just gave me the job. She's like, in a year and a half to two years, if you're not running this part of my division, then we haven't done something well. Mm. Um, And she she, she was serious about it, right? And so it was my first job making a significant amount of money. So I was like, this Older woman is bugging. <laughs> so, it's, I was like, wait a minute, like you're bugging. And she was like, I'm not tripping with you. And it's so weird because our mentorship was not the typical fairy tale mentorship where it was like, have lunch and tea and talk about goals. It was practical and it was hands on and it was action learning. And it was, you messed up right here. I asked you for something. I need you to take this back and do it different. And if you don't know how to do it, I need you to research how to do it. And if you need help, I need you to come to me for help. But I need you to try it on your own first. And so um, it's interesting. I think she worked with me long enough to learn that um, my st- my working style, and she was able to navigate, help me navigate my strengths Um, And my weaknesses in that way, and she literally said to me one day, I was her executive assistant. She said, I don't need an executive assistant anymore. So as of such and such date, your position will be phased out. Uh Oh. (laughs) I'm hoping I'm hoping you're ready to take a you know take a step into this role. I said no. She said, (laughs) Well you won't. Well you unfortunately you won't have a job in a month. Unless you're ready to take this, you know, take on this role. And she's just like, I think you're ready because you've already been doing the role, but you've got to think you are ready and you've got to know you're worth it. And so, it was really, like, a very daunting conversation to have with someone who's your superior and a mentor. Mm -hmm. Um, And after a lot of contemplation, a lot of reflection, and just really thinking about where I wanted to be, that was the role that fast-tracked me into, you know, um, C-level and leadership positions. And so she really pushed me into the door. She didn't just open it. She pushed me into it. And so often I see that same... um, I see those, that same fear in a lot of young women that I've come in contact with, and sometimes it's just having someone believe in you. And that's mm. all, I mean, really that was at the core of it. She believed in me, and we're still in touch now. And so I call her now with leadership issues and bad days. I'm like, I had a terrible day. I was not a good leader today. And she's, she's like the person that's like, you know what? I wasn't always a good leader either, but you'll go back tomorrow and you'll, you know, you'll – you'll learn from your mistakes. So she was probably um, one of the best and still remains one of the best mentors I've ever had. And is
0: she a black woman? She is a black woman.
1: Yes. She's a black woman. Um, was in, and She was an educator for a long time and then an administrator. And even now she runs her own business and she's very good at, it's a gift. She's, very good and gifted at just kind of helping people navigate and what's interesting is most of our team that works under her leadership we're all in c-level positions Mm. it's so it's so it's super dope like we tell her all the time like without her we wouldn't be where we are and she's like nope without you you wouldn't be where you are so i'm like nope without you we wouldn't because Mm. she saw something in us
0: got it got it and then looking back on that time right you talked about the confidence thing—I feel like you could do it. What are some skills that you think you developed under her leadership that now help you kill it at your current job? One of the
1: things that I know is is being able to take risks, risk taking, and I and I want to say that that's a skill because you have to be comfortable with the success that comes with it and the failure that comes with it. Mm. And she she pushed innovation in a way where she really helped you understand that it's not a, a, a value add, it's, it's a core component. And so, so much of my work now is um, about innovation and risk-taking. And that's a skill that I would not have been able to hone under her leadership. The second is perspective. Um, she, under her leadership and um, with my personality, I became comfortable hearing multiple perspectives. Um, I hadn't always been that comfortable because I was so tech. Text- and so when you're good at learning and you're good at learning through the reading and the quiz or the reading and the test, and the reading and the exam, sometimes your perspective is black and white, but under her leadership and, and just through my natural personality of being inquisitive, I was able to hone um, and approach different perspectives and use them differently, and that's something that I think is extremely – that's critical to professional success um, and probably even you know personal success, too. And the third is just engagement. Like, that's a skill, too. Like, how many times have you, you know, wanted to be at the table and knew you deserved to be at the table, but you didn't know how to put yourself there? You didn't want to come off thirsty, right? You know, we have these side conversations with ourselves, like, this is is a room I want to be in, but I don't want to ask because I don't want to seem thirsty or I don't want to beg because I don't want to, you know, we have all these side conversations really deflecting, you know, some somewhat some of our own feelings about our skills and she helped me see that engagement is very simple It it it's sometimes transformational it's sometimes transactional but if you think you deserve to be at that table or you think you want to be in a room it's as simple as just making that you know making that known and then being and if you get the opportunity being engaged taking every moment to the fullest not leaving any crumbs on the table right just, mm-hmm choking it up, and just doing something with it. And those are things that I, I think have helped me excel. You know, those three things specifically come to mind, especially engagement. The more I move, you know, the further I advance now, the more I move through different organizations and meet different people, engagement has really become this tool and not just this thing we throw out. Like, that's a real tool. It's, it's inclusivity. It's everything that we need get to where we're going and so it's with yourself and it's with others and that's that's been the biggest takeaway from working with her working under her leadership
0: got it and you touched on this a little bit earlier but i know that we all have conversations about you know imposter syndrome, being in spaces where are, there aren't very many people who look like us. I mean, you were fortunate in that you had a mentor who was an advocate who also was a black woman who'd gone through kind of the, the corporate ladder. What do you do when you're in those spaces and you don't feel confident or you don't feel like maybe you should be in that room where it's not familiar to you? Like, what have you done to be like, no, I deserve to be here? Do you have any tangible things that you do to, to convince yourself that you deserve a space in that room?
1: So that is, like, the ultimate question that I think deserves its own (laughs) (laughs) conversation. It's it's so real. So I was just talking to one of my girlfriends, right? I'm in this new organization. I'm the CEO and executive director. It's brand new to Chicago. Um, it's, It's just positioned me to be in the room with politicians, educators, community activists, all people from all different backgrounds, and here I am, kind of a hybrid of them all. And so I'm like, it's weird when I come across challenges. I'm like, my first place sometimes is isn't for me. And so one of my really good friends, uh, she's like, yeah, this is for you. You, this is this is where we need to talk about imposter syndrome, and we need to know that it's real. Like we need, like we need to treat it as you know something that ha- that needs you know solving. And so she's like. What do you do when you feel like you don't belong? Normally I remove myself. She's like, but you can in this in this situation. And I absolutely can't, right? She's right. This is what my role calls for. And this is bigger than this is what my role calls for. This is what I've worked for. So the, the role can call for this. My education can speak to that. But i will really work to be in this place. And so the first thing I think about when I have those moments of imposter syndrome is I start to think about me. Because imposter syndrome is less about us and more about the rooms that we're in and the people that we're around. And so we start to pay attention to them more than we pay attention to ourselves. And I don't know if it will work for anybody else, but the one thing that I would say if you ever start to experience, think about your journey. Think about what got you there. And and also keep in mind where you're going because sometimes while on this journey, it's where you are is just a short stop. Like it it could be a season and it could be over so fast, but it's also part of the journey. And so the one thing that I do is I just reflect. Like my you know, my prescription for for the the ailing moments of imposter syndrome has been to remind myself and to reflect on all of the hard work that i've done to get where i am and it's been so practical like my work has been roll up my sleeves and i can commit to that and i can feel good about that so that helps me feel good about being in those spaces and in those rooms when i may feel that i'm not um supposed to be there and sometimes that's supposed to be there is all in my head because I've just never been there before. And so, I, if I could say, don't confuse whether you're supposed to be there with this is unfamiliar and this is my first time. A lot of a lot of my imposter, you know, syndrome experiences is just because I'm new to the space. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with me ultimately deserving and earning a spot to be there. It's just like this is new. And so once I get over that newness, I I I, I
0: usually come come together, and then I'm in my zone after that. Got it, got it. And one of the things that, um, speaking about imposter syndrome and all that stuff, I think a lot of times what happens is we climb, right? We think about the stereotypes and we try really hard not to be this person or to be that person and to not – do too much of this or too much of that. Uh, So in terms of your communication style, right, has that changed as you've gotten more senior? I know we've all heard about, you know, you don't want to be the angry black woman, you don't want to be too forceful, but you don't want to be too passive in your communication style. And just like a bunch of different messaging around, you know, the natural communication styles of black women. So have you found that you've paid attention to that? Have you thought about how that changes now that you're the head of an organization versus when you were first starting out? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> it has changed
1: a lot. So, I've always heard, "Don't be the angry black woman." And just recently, last year, I had this like this huge epiphany. Like, what? Like, if I hear that one more time, I'm gonna ask the person, like, what exactly does that mean? And so, I'm very clear now in owning who I am, my delivery, my my look, um, um, my education my vernacular, everything that comes with me. If I want to say child in a meeting or I want to say, you know, I want to speak, you know, whatever, however I'd like to speak, I own it. Before, I wasn't really owning it in that way, right, because I was, I paid so much attention to the reception and how people received me. Now I don't. And so what has really it, – it, it, it's maturation, right? I've really matured, and what's really helped me – to break through those stereotypes is just me and myself. Because it's someone out there that understands us way more than we even think. And so when you hear, you know, you don't wanna say that, I mean, I mean, literally, I worked in an environment where I was like, there were three out of maybe 30 um, um, leadership level um, staff members and only three of us were minorities and all three were black and all three of us had different backgrounds, but all three of us acquiesced when we were in the bigger room because we wanted to be sure to have this look, and we put so much pressure on ourselves to be super polished, and super articulate, and super, we don't want them to see us flipping, and after a while, that became so exhausting, and it was like, what what am I doing? What am I, who am I? Who am I trying to prove that I belong? You know, I'm here already. I belong because I'm here. And so what has really helped me in this leadership role, because I've also heard it in the leadership role, is it has helped me to kind of throw the question back. What exactly do you mean by that? And then just fall back on I can only be myself. And so my natural leadership style is what it is. And as it advances and improves, I can give my all to an organization when I am who I am. Mm. If I can't be myself, I can never give my all to an organization. And that has helped me tremendously in my new role when dealing with the leadership, the board that I report to, and dealing with the staff that reports to me. So to my staff, I'm always kind of saying, you know, if you aren't yourself, then your work is going to reflect it. And it's so true. It, It comes out. The higher up you get, the more it comes out. It's easy when you're low or entry level to mid-level, depending on the amount of activity-based things you're doing. But when you become more strategic, a lot of the reason you're hired to be a leader is because of who you are naturally.
0: Mm.
1: So if you if you hide that, then they're not getting the best of you. If you try to you know combat that with trying to acquiesce to an environment or a culture then they're not getting the best you. And so after at, at, after a certain point, if you're not comfortable being you, it's really okay to ask yourself the question, is this where I belong? And that's one of the things that I really, I, I really push when I'm talking to my sisters. My sisters are younger than I am by like 10 years, and they're moving through their careers. And I'm like, look, culture is everything. If you can't go there and be yourself, don't be afraid to leave. Don't be afraid to know that it's not for you. Everything isn't for you. Don't don't be afraid to don't try to stay and acquiesce because you want to prove that you're this sort of person. Just be yourself, and everything will come together. And that has been that that's what's taking me into this next phase of leadership. Just being myself, and the more the more that I am myself, the more that I'm finding my success. You know, starting to really start at, like ramp up.
0: Got it, got it. And you've mentioned, um, like, your look and being comfortable with those things. So let's talk about black hair in the corporate space because I know it's something that we all think about. And it seems like, I was joking with someone, there's, like, a black woman corporate hairstyle, right? It's either blown out and straight or, like, the short pixie cut. So do you give your your hair much thought? Like, how has that changed over time? Okay. So
1: I used to have a relaxer maybe 10 years ago, and I grew my relaxer out, or I cut it out. I didn't even grow it out. I, got, I chopped it off, and my hairstylist was like, okay, I like this look. I'm like, I do too, right? And So I'm feeling real free, it, and it, it felt good. And then as I started to move, you know, through corporate, my, my, my go-to hairstyle has always been pulled back into a bun. Mm-hmm. Um, and so luckily I was still able to achieve that look. Um, but there are some times when I don't want to wear that bun and I do a blowout or I just want to rock some braids. It has been so interesting, um, especially in my last row, which was with an arts and culture, an arts and culture um, institution. I rocked braids to work one day, like cornrows, like straight up Latifah set it off. <laughs> 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 and they, they were like, hold up, right? And it was so alarming to me. It was the Right, and so I was just like, "Come on now, this 2016, 2017, we're not here. Like, we can't be here. Like this art and culture, this is an art and culture institution. Like the whole premise and the whole basis of you being an art and culture institution is to embrace different, you know, aspects of culture and heritage art." And so I'm, I found myself explaining to other races, of course, not African American women or men, but definitely, you know, the other races. They're like, oh my god, Tanya, what's that look? I'm like, what look do you speak of? <laughs> whatever <laughs> do you, whatever are you talking about? And I got the, "It's that your hair? Oh my god, your hair is so long, because I added some hair and some, you know, to give it some length. And I just flat out was like, hold up, you guys know that this is not all my hair. I'm not sure what the fuss is about, but this is, this is me. Like, on the weekend, I decided to break my hair, and I didn't want to change it, you know, on Monday to come back to work. But the biggest shock and one of the, the biggest moments where I knew it was transition time for me was on my boss. There was literally no words except for, oh, I see you changed your hair. I think I like it. <laughs> oh. This is a white woman, right? And so my response was like, Oh, didn't realize that it was up for like debate of whether it was liked, but it's an easy go to and I'm glad you you know think you like it. I was like, Okay, we've got all kinda issues, we got all kinda problems <laughs> but now now starting to bubble up and that was so Funny to me because I've always been one to just kind of say, whatever, whoever I am that day, as long as I feel polished and feel good about myself, my hair shouldn't dictate whether or not I get a job. Mm -hmm. You know, it shouldn't, and it shouldn't dictate whether or not um, it shouldn't change the perception of my work. It absolutely did for my boss, though. Mm -hmm. Like, it became a discussion, it became a discussion point, not with me at the table, but with HR to talk about. (gasps) how senior your leadership should look. I was like, yeah, no. That's the fastest way <laughs> to get in trouble. So huh. I've experienced it. I still hold true to this. For all women who have, a, a, you know, of ethnic roots, African-American, whatever your race is, whatever your hair is that day, own it. Don't change it for anybody. If you got to do a blowout to go sit behind a desk, and push paper every day, and you know that that blowout is damaging your hair or you know that that relaxer is damaging your scalp, you got some real questions to ask yourself. Like, are you doing it for you or are you doing it for someone else? And if you can't get to that answer, then it's likely you're doing it for someone else, and now you got a bigger question to ask yourself. Who are you really? It's, it, it's beyond the time and space and day where we should be worried about hair, of all things. Yeah. It's just it's crazy, but it still happens, and I'm still, I'm very much a supporter of, it. make sure your hair fits who you are on whatever day you wear it. Got it. <laughs> That's you, just it.
0: <laughs> you talked about this with your boss and the comment of your hair, and you like, yeah, I knew it was time to go, um, and you've had some pretty phenomenal jobs in the past. How have you known when it was time for you to move on, be it something good or something bad? Like how do you determine, or how do you know when you're ready for that next step?
1: And now when I'm ready for that next step, um, because I, I think I have a level of self-awareness, you know, that just tells me internally, like, the, the success. And so when I'm no longer able to be successful or I've reached a point where I feel that I've maxed out on the opportunity to be successful, it's time to go. And so, of course, there have been times I've left jobs just because of challenges and that it's not been a good fit. But most of the time, I mean, I'm I'm very fortunate in being able to say I've left jobs for other opportunities that offered advancement, and I knew it was time to go because I know what I want for me, right? Mm. And so if I've said, you know, I want to have, I mean, the role that I'm in now, I'm like, I want to try to have a, a role that has some community impact and not just social impact at large but community impact i knew when i got that opportunity and it seemed like a good fit for me that it was time for me to you know transition but you've got to really know what you want or have some idea you don't have to know the role and the the company but you've got to have some idea and that only happens if you're really honest about your gifts and your shortcomings because that's another part of it a lot of the opportunities that i've you know um that have that have come my way have been based, um, a lot on what I don't know more than what I do know. Mm. And so it's kind of like, Oh, this is a great opportunity for me to learn this. I haven't done that before. And so I'm very good at saying, you know, what I want to learn and, and how I want to advance. And, um, I've known it just because, I mean, my, it's, it's an, it's an, it's a, it's a moment of intuitiveness that just kind of pulls on me. And, um, my friends, my girls are always like, oh, my God, like, you are so dope. Like, you can just, like, I know that this is, I, I can go into a role. I'm like, I know I'm going to be there for, like, two years because I already know my next job. And they're like, how do you know that? And I think that's part of that entrepreneurial part of me, too. And it's just me just kind of knowing what I want and how I, you know, how I want my past to be. But. For, for anyone who, you know, listening or will hear this discussion, this conversation with us, I just say if you know what you, you know, you know where you want to be, even if it's short term, when you're not getting that anymore, it's time to go.
0: And what are some questions, right? Because sometimes people just want to leave because they're frustrated and it's not necessarily that they should be moving Is they might need to readjust some things within their current workspace. And so what are some questions that they should be asking themselves before making a move?
1: The first question is, am I happy? Am I happy? The second is, if you answer yes, how long can I, how long do I see myself doing this? The third is, what do I want for me next? We don't, we don't, we get in the now and we can stay present a very long time, but we don't really focus on the next. And that's one of the Great, you know, um, benefit mentorship. If you mentor, if you're being mentored once by someone who's had experiences that you haven't had, you can quickly become attuned or in tune with what you want next. And so it's what do I want next? Those are like three questions that I think are critical. I mean, the pay and all of that, you know, the do I get a lot of benefit days and am I making money? You know, that's that's But there are so many intrinsic things that feed you and, and, and push you and encourage you to do what you do. And so I would say, you know, just ask yourself, like, am I happy? How long do I see myself doing this? And what do I want next? And depending on how you answer those questions, you will know if you need to make a move. Because if you're not happy and you don't see yourself doing it very long, then at that point you are now sacrificing and the opportunity to advance you know, for staying somewhere just for a check or just for the status. And that's something that we have to be very careful of, especially as African-American women who don't, um, who who only represent a small percentage of leadership. It can be very easy to just stay where you are because we're, we're groomed sometimes, and depending on where we are, we're groomed to think that we're special. Like, oh my God, you know, I'm one of many or I'm one of few, so I should just stay here. I don't I don't I don't think like that. I'm like if, if one door opens when I close this one another one will open and if I did my job in that in that job if I did my best in that job, then I really actually opened this door for another sister to come in the door. Mm. So I, I believe in I believe in that movement. I don't believe in staying someplace and just staying for the sake of showing that I can be there. If I'm not happy and I'm not having impact in that role then I need to leave and let the next person come in, and I need to do it in a way that opens the door for my sister, Um, even if I have to say this is who I want to be the next me. And so I go into roles now talking about the next me because I believe every place I've gone there's been a next me, and I believe where I am now, there's the next me. And it might not be the next me when I leave, but maybe five or ten years from now, someone in my organization now is going to be the next me. Mm. It's my job. It's my responsibility to show and be transparent about my experiences in a way where they understand this is what comes with it, and I got you, sis. Like, what do you want to know? What do you want to know about my job? What do you want to know? What can I help you with in your job? I ask my team now, what do you want to be? I'm not mad if you say me. In fact, I want you to say me so we can, So like, it's go time, man, because we can change things you know, the trajectory of your work in a way that you can be the next me probably a lot sooner than you think. So I just approach I just approach it differently. Like it's, it's you've gotta you gotta wanna be in your role and you gotta wanna be present, but you've also gotta think about what's next. You can't not think about what's next.
0: Got it. And so we talked a little bit about, you know, your mentors, but let's talk a little bit about your tribe, like your network. How important is networking to you? Do you have a solid tribe? How have you found the the women or people who are, you know, a part of your network?
1: I've been very informal about my tribe and my networking my entire life. This role um, has pushed me to be both um, a little more formal, um, but I've been very informal. And I've found my tribe through my bosses, um, whether they were women or men. I found my tribe through my friendships. Um, I found my tribe on LinkedIn. Believe it or not, I'm I'm a question asker and I'm a researcher. And so I don't have a problem seeing I when I see your profile, I'm like, hey, let me send a message. Like, I'm in a similar role as yours, or your role, you know, represents a role that I wanna have in ten years. Can we connect?
0: Hmm. And most
1: times people are open to it. And so it 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 for me is just doing what I, what I know how to do naturally, and that is um, be very clear and open about what I want, um, but I also think that I've been successful in finding my tribe and connecting with my tribe, uh, just understanding who I am. Somewhat, some Most of my tribe has come to me, just from me being who I am. I talk to people, and they're like, you know, I like, I like what you were saying, and I heard what you said at this meeting, or... I heard what you said the other day, you know, coming in, and I want to learn more from you. And so it's like, oh, I I don't turn down those opportunities to just talk to people. And I, just, I don't shy away from networking. I can get up on a Saturday and take go somewhere by myself and take a a yoga class, for example, and know that I'm going to be in a room full of, you know, a diverse setting, a room full of people I don't know. But by the end of that yoga class or that boot camp class, I'm asking someone, what do you do professionally or what do you do for fun? So um, I think part of finding your tribe and finding your network is also just kind of understanding what you need and support. And And I know what I need in support, you know. Uh, your tribe can be as large or small as you want it to be. As long as it reflects you, that's all that really matters. But you can't be afraid um, to kind of make that, take that first step. And it's so crazy because social media makes it so easy on the on the surface. to make. It really makes you think you know people, right? You know, you're like, I'm connected to so-and-so. They're going to follow me. I'm like, you don't know them until so you know them. So can you send them a, you send them a message and say, you know, can I have a five minute conversation with you? Mm. I'm 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 really interested in knowing how you got where you got. I promise you, that goes a long way. I've had I've recently had someone say, Oh, I saw you speak on the panel and she's in college and she's like, I, you know, A, thank you for what you're doing for women of color. So that kinda of blew me away. I'm like, Wow, you know, I, I didn't even really see myself that way. And then she's like, B, I'd love to connect with you. Well, this summer she's my intern. Mm. I pulled her in. <laughs> She's working, she's going to make some money, and she's going to learn, you know, a different side of, you know, she's clear that she wants to be um, a scientist, a chemist when she finishes school, but this song, why don't you come and learn about community impact, and maybe it's inevitably going to shape her work in some way, because, you know, even if it just shapes the way she networks, that's all that matters. It may not shape her skill set, but if it shapes the way she reaches that, that's all that matters. And so it, networking can go, you know, vertical, horizontal, whichever way we want it to go, but it's really in being authentic.
0: Mm. It,
1: it, it's a big part of
0: our authenticity. Got it, got it. And we started the conversation talking about your passion for entrepreneurship, and, you know, it seems like everywhere you look now, there's a new business popping up a new specials on entrepreneurs. So what keeps you in corporate? Like what, what has stopped you from um, taking the leap to full-time entrepreneurship? I tried full-time,
1: full-time entrepreneurship before, and I realized I was not quite ready. And it wasn't even the financial aspect. It was the confidence, and um, I hadn't done enough research. I hadn't really found that one thing. I mean, passive income and passive income opportunities, are, they, they are part of entrepreneurship, but my entrepreneurship was like community and social impact. And so I wasn't early there. Um, so I I went back into the workforce understanding that it just wasn't my time. Mm. And that's that's what I mean, and that's 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 the real as I can tell you. I'm like I I struggled with it. I'm like, I should stay out, I I can do this, but it just it really just wasn't my time and, and I knew that because it just wasn't clicking and it just didn't feel natural and I didn't have the right group of people involved. I hadn't done my due diligence. I had the idea and I had the vision, but I didn't have a work plan behind it. And so I realized once I took that step out that there's so much more to it. And I hadn't even talked to other entrepreneurs mm. um, as you know, as openly as I should. And so you're right. Every way, you t- every way we turn, there's a new business popping up or a new organization popping up. Um, there's nothing wrong with asking those people lead those organizations, why do you lead how how do you lead And how have you failed, because we all see, you know, how they it. sometimes it looks like they're doing well but behind all of that is a lot of blood, sweat, and tears yeah. and that's where I, I know I needed a little bit more discipline and so I went back into something that feels very natural for me which is working in, you know representing, you know, the business side or, you know, social impact And so that feels really natural for me um, but I've now since started to reshape my entrepreneurial endeavor, and it speaks to professional women of color and mentorship and leadership um, in a way that I'm like, this is this is why you know I just needed a little bit more experience, right? <laughs> and so I'm, I'm like, this is why I, I knew I wasn't ready, but now I know when I take that step, I'm ready. Like I'll be ready um, holistically, from a spiritual sense, um, a mental and, you know, even physically, because all of those things play into being an entrepreneur. And finances, too. I mean, you again, you can have a bag of money or ten backers behind you, but if you don't have the spiritual aptitude and the mental capacity and the physical, you know, um, strength and perseverance to push through long nights and difficult days, you'll you'll, you'll burn out really fast. And that's what happened to me because I didn't have all the things together. But now I'm like... It's starting to come together, and it's starting to come together to the point where I don't even have to rush it now because I know it's inevitably where I'm headed. So I'm very calm and very confident about it when at first I was very rushed about it because it was about the vision and wanting to be out there before the next person. You know, it was kind of like that competition, looking at what was going on around me like, okay, I got to get out there because everybody else is out there. Now I'm kind of like, you know what? I know what I'm you know, what i working on is for me, and it, I, there, there's a, an audience, and there's a need. And once you know you have that, you can kind of sit back and let your experiences shape your entrepreneurial endeavor much differently. So that's where I am now.
0: And are there things that you learned during your uh, time as an entrepreneur that you apply to your current corporate role? Of
1: course. Um, I've definitely learned. Um, how to build a network differently, or be, you know, or in, or be part of a network differently. I mean, you're a lone ranger when you're an entrepreneur, and um, as a leader, you're also still kind of a lone ranger in a sense, or a one man band. It's all in how you look at it. You know, if you don't tie, if you tie it to the vision and the mission, and not the, not the go- make the goal the money, it, it's different. And so, when I was an entrepreneur, the goal was the money. Um, now it's, the goal is the vision and mission and being able to translate that. And if it brings profit, great. But if it brings impact, that's even better. And so that's one of the things that I learned. Um, and then I learned how to fail. and I learned failure differently. Mm-hmm. I've failed a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I learned how to. Now I'm transparent about it. Like, I can say, I can say, you want, I, I tell my little sister, like, before you even do that, ask me. Like, my little sister just said, oh, I'm buying you insurance policy and blah, blah, blah. I was like, ask me before you do that. Mm. <laughs> you know why? Because I did this kind of insurance policy. I also took all my money out and I also blew all my money on a couple of purses and I also don't have those handbags anymore. <laughs> and, I <also> was, <laughs> and I also was very crazy and dumb when I did it. And so now if you want help with that, let me tell you, you know, let me help you. And so she's like, oh, I didn't even, you know, it's so weird because she's like, I would have never guessed you did something stupid like that. I'm like, girl, I've done a lot of stupid just ask me before you do it, and so it's been. You know, I I reference those moments to, to to show other people like I made some really bad and dumb decisions, but at the time, seriously, I was like, "Yo, I need this handbag because if I'm an entrepreneur, when I step out and I go meet with people, I gotta I gotta be fly." Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is weird. With, it's weird. What you'll tell yourself to beef up your image, right? So it was the, all about the image and not the impact. Mm. So I was all focused on, let me, I literally was like, let me become an entrepreneur. Let me pull out, let me dissolve one of my little, you know, insurance policies, my whole life insurance policies. Let me just pull it out and pull that money out and buy a couple of handbags so that when I go meet with prospects or, you know, or clients, I look the part. Mm-hmm. And the, my entrepreneurial spent lasted a few years. And the bag, again, where are they? I don't even know. I think I ended up having to put them on like. Ebay or something, <laughs> And so now that's what I do. If I buy something, I wear it a billion times. Like they're like,
0: "Oh, you, your purse got a hole in it." I was like, "So what?" As long <laughs> this... my money don't fall out, I'm straight. It's the but same that's with experience. It's the same with corporate though, where people want to look successful. You want to look your title, and so you get a promotion. Yep. And you go you spend all your little, the increase in salary that you have, so you can look a certain way. Um, and then I mean. We're grown to
1: think that's the way it's supposed to go. It, we're grown to think that we got that promotion. Now we got to be at everything hot that's going on and look hot. I'm like, no, I, be selective. And, that, I mean, that's also another lesson is just being selective and definitely failing. Like, I've made mistakes, and I've just flat out failed at some things. But embracing that failure has meant, you know, has been A roadmap to where I am now. If I would have stayed stuck there, I probably would still be there because what you don't address, you continue. Mm. And so now I'm very, I'm very deliberate about the the selection of anything, where, where I'm going, what I'm, what I'm buying you know, whether it's shopping and even food from a health perspective. So I've grown tremendously in that area, but I wouldn't have had that if I wouldn't have failed as an entrepreneur. Mm. And I and I embrace I, I embrace entrepreneurship on every level, whether it's you starting up your own business, a franchise, a boutique owner, an insurance agent. I mean, there are just so many different definitions of entrepreneurship. To me, again, even in the role that I'm in now, I still feel like I'm an entrepreneur. I have to go out and I have to raise the awareness um, and raise capital, you know, for an organization that is brand new, much like a business would be. So I I am an entrepreneur, and and most, most of those same characteristics are able to be used in my role now. And that's where I think that's what keeps me invested in what I'm doing. Um, But I'm very clear that it's also helping me. So I don't feel like I've settled, and I don't feel like I've, you know, chose one over the other. I'm very clear that I'm an entrepreneur. I'm very clear that I'm successful. And that's another thing that we have to be very clear of is owning our successes. Um, We don't do that well because sometimes we're looking at what's, you know, what's out there for us and so it took a long time for me to embrace um, being a CEO like I'm like oh it's a small organization but I'm the CEO right and so the size doesn't matter I have to build it and <laughs> and run it at the same time and that does make me a CEO but if I were someplace big and someone you know with a lot of notoriety and when I was someplace big with a lot of notoriety with a smaller title I wore that so proudly and mm. so it took me a minute even in this to kind of go back going back to imposter syndrome right it took me a minute to just kind of say yo own a success girl like you owe it to yourself like you know the longer you put this off the longer you push off what you've done and how you feel about yourself the, the better chance you run of losing yourself and so i had to snap out of it really fast but you are absolutely right that you know we do a lot to look the part of being in corporate. Um, And I've had my fair share of working with corporations and working in corporate for corporations. And thank goodness, a lot of them were earlier on, and now I just interact with corporations. But it's still the same. A corporation that i talk to about giving money or being a sponsor to something, they still have a brand and an image. And when they give to you, they are expecting you to be part of that brand and image. It's just that simple. They're not going to give unless they feel that there's some alignment. And so I've become comfortable knowing when to say no, too. Everything isn't for everybody.
0: Hmm. Makes sense. Makes sense. So speaking of that, we're going to do our lightning round really quickly. So the questions that I'm going to ask you now, just say the first thing that comes to mind, like don't think about it too deeply. Um, So I'm going to read this one really slowly. Um, So what's one piece of career advice that you took, that looking back, you probably should not have taken?
1: The one piece of advice that I took that I should not have taken is rub elbows with the people people above you. Mm. Make that your focus. Mm. Focus on those people above you. I should not have taken that advice to heart.
0: Got it. Um, What's the career lesson that took you the longest to learn, but has had the biggest impact on your development?
1: The career lesson that took the longest for me to learn is that it's okay for me to be me, and it goes back to authentic leadership and authentic
0: performance. Hmm. What's the one book that's had the biggest impact on your career? I say this all the time. I people flinch, but it's the Forty
1: Eight Laws of Power. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what? It it is by far like my go-to. At every phase of my career, I've been able to pick that big book up and learn something different or read something a different way, interpret it different. It's had the most impact on
0: me. Okay. Um, And then what do you hope others are saying about you when you are not in the room?
1: I hope that when I'm not in the room that people say about me, she has definitely, she has an interest in helping others. Mm. I think I don't. I don't care if they agree with me. I don't care if I walk away doing business with them. I I hope people see that I'm sincere about why I'm doing what I'm doing, and that's to help others.
0: Hmm. That was my last question. Thank you so much, Latanya, for taking the time today to talk to me. I have so many notes and so many gems that you dropped <laughs> uh, on the on the podcast today. So thank, thank you. you so much for your time. Um, and I'm sure, sure, we'll get lots of questions. Um, so if people wanted to find you, where can they find you? Is it LinkedIn makes the most sense? LinkedIn makes the most sense, and they can also
1: um, email me um, at. Latanya at ChiCat, cat dot o-r-g okay and um also to you i commend you and the work that you're doing however i can support you please let me know i will if for you ever sure. need it. if you ever need space if you ever need anything whatever you need don't hesitate because what you're doing is phenomenal and however i can support that or be part of it um you have my commitment so thank you for even thinking of me too that's that has been, you've helped me. Even through this conversation, I'm like, you got me fired up. Monday is going to be good. <laughs>
0: that's my hope because you know what like I think that working in corporate gets such a bad reputation right and I was an I did I worked for myself for a year I think that there are such amazing opportunities to go, to do good work within the corporate space so I want to be someone who can highlight women who look like me who are doing this work and are thriving so that the next generation of women know that they have a choice right you can you can yeah. have an amazing life and amazing experiences in corporate. You don't have to, but know that it is a choice. And there are women who are out here doing it really well. And so I'm glad that you took the time to talk to me. So thank you. As you can hopefully tell, I had so much fun talking to Latanya. And just a couple of things that I took away, I took some notes. Um, the first thing is what you don't address, you continue. So if there are things that are going on that you have not taken some time to address, just know that you will continue that behavior. Um, a lot of the reason that you are hired to be a leader is because of who you are naturally, and if you hide that, then the company isn't getting the best of you. So think about that as you um, look at job opportunities and and different situations that you may be a part of. And I think for me, the biggest takeaway that um, I got from this is about imposter syndrome. So whenever you are in a room where you feel like you don't belong, remind yourself of all the things that you did to get yourself into that room all the hard work and um an effort that you put into it so i hope you got some things from this conversation with Latanya. if you want to keep the conversation going please join us on facebook in our facebook group i choose the latter and until next time thank you for listening